Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, we thank you for the privilege. Would you grab hands with the person next to you? To be in this room of people you love, people you died for, people you live in and live through. What a privilege to be in this house today amongst your people in the land of the living. God, we are so grateful. And Lord, as we enter into this time of study, open our eyes, cause us to see what we wouldn't have saw if we didn't come here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to get right into the word. This morning we're in a portion of scripture we've never been in before. We've kind of been doing that for the last few weeks. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning with the 24th verse. That song is still in my heart, great and mighty is our our God. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. The city walls were too strong to to be toppled. So what the Syrians did, they, they surrounded the city and they blocked any outside provisions from coming in. And verse 25 says, and there was a great famine in Samaria. Now the walls of this city were intended to keep unsafe people out, but here we see that the enemy used these same walls to lock them in. You ever put up walls in your life and find yourself trapped, starving and stuck on the inside of them? The scripture goes on and says that the Syrians, indeed, they besieged it. The children of Israel who happened to be behind those walls at this particular time in history, they were not conquered by arrow or spear. But the way they were conquered was by letting themselves be cut off. Solitude is a good thing, especially when it's used to help you get rest and maybe some needed perspective. But when it turns into isolation, it will be the beginning of a steady cycle of pain and a march toward death. These people were isolated, actually, like many of us in this room. We don't really understand why we're dying because our walls are up. We look good on the outside. Our faces are painted and and our houses are still standing and we're still driving the same cars that we drove. But on the inside, we're isolated. On the inside, we're starving for affection and and acceptance and relationship. The Bible said they besieged this city until a donkey's head. A donkey was a much-needed animal, very valuable in the fields. And and actually, it really wasn't lawful to, to, to eat a donkey. But it got to the place that a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. And when you let yourself get isolated and desperate, 
you'll end up doing things you never imagined before. Whoever thought of donkey head soup? But this is how far they had fallen. And one-fourth of a cab of dung droppings. I've had been in some cabs that smell like dove droppings, but I, 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 sorry, I didn't read. I don't know how big a cab is, but you can research that on your own. There's one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings, but watch this, for five shekels of silver, meaning they paid good money for the unthinkable. Actually, in this day, this was six months wages just to eat poop. In the last service when I said that people looked at me like I was crazy, but I told them, you know, not much different than many of us in this room. You did the same thing in Las Vegas, your last trip paid six months salary. I spent a couple days in the muck and the mire. Am I preaching too good for this room? <laughs> then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, he was just making his necessary rounds. A woman cried up and out to him, saying, help my Lord, O king. Verse 28. Then the king said to her, Something in a moment he, he, he wished he would have never asked. He said, Mama, what, what's troubling you? And she answered, Well, King, this woman said to me, Give me your son on Thursday that we might eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow on Friday. What we see is cannibalization set in. People began to prey on one another, much like our nation today, who seems to just wallow in the politics of personal destruction. We try to kill and maim everybody we disagree with. So on Thursday, we boiled my son and ate him. But when Friday came, I said, give me your son that we may eat him, but she had hidden her son. Now, this world can make you do some things you had never imagined if you let it. Now, it happened when the kings heard the words this desperate woman, he tore his clothes and this was a reflection of what was going on in his, his heart. He, he was broken right down the middle when he realized how, how low the nation had fallen. And as he passed by on the wall and his clothes were tore, people were able to, to look through what he was trying to hide. And there underneath, he had sackcloth on his body. The king was like many people in this room. You look good on the outside. But, but, but if you dig just a little bit deeper, underneath all the makeup, underneath it, you're raw and red, under it all. Under it all, you're chapped and, and you're hurting, but you're trying to put on a, a strong face. You're, you're trying to make it in this world. But, but if the truth was told, you were aching on the inside. And at this point, the king could no longer hide what was happening in his relationship with God, verse 31. Then he said, 
He got angry. We talked about this last week. He said, God, do so to me and more also if the head of that pastor down there in that dumb freezer, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. Now Moses warned the people, if you turn from God, famine would happen. But instead of taking responsibility, they started pointing the finger and they blamed the pastor. They blamed the church. Things have not changed. How many of y'all still want to be a pastor? You say amen in a few minutes. But Elisha was gone. He was sitting in his house. And lo and behold, the elders who should have been with the king were with him. But when trouble came, the elders ran to God's house. And not from God, but to God. Unlike this king. And the king is angry and he blamed God. And he wanted to get the man of God. He couldn't, you know, you you can't reach heaven, but you can reach people. So the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to Elisha, Elisha said to the elders, do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? I like Elisha. He's not like many pastors today full of mush and pablum in their mouth. Always trying to make people happy instead of telling them the truth. Elisha was a man with fire shut up in his bones. God put put fire in this prophet's belly. And when the Holy Spirit showed him what the king was was about to do in his attentions, he called it out. But even, but but what I said, in his boldness, it wasn't, see, a lot of people, they think you, you get bold and all of a sudden you get mean and evil. That's not what happened here. The the prophet was bold. He called it out, but he also created a plan to help. And the next few verses are the pastor's plan to fix this situation. And Elisha said to the elders in the room, the only ones that really could have stopped the king, said, look, when the king's messengers come, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Now, this seems like the prophet was in rebellion, but the prophet didn't just react in the flesh. You know, when someone hurts your feelings, it's all about you. You don't know who you're talking to. I'm going to get you. No. The, The prophet looked past his feelings and looked into the heart of the king. And he realized, you know what? The king has been under pressure. And the king was just just blowing off steam. So what the prophet did is he orchestrated a delay to give the king time to correct himself, to give the king time to come to himself. And so, man, I'm so grateful that God's this way. When when sometimes I lose my head, I say the wrong thing. God gives me space to repent. He gives me a chance to get it right. And he said, it's not the sound. You see, he's in the spirit. And he saw all this before it happened. And. He says, it's not the sound of the master's feet behind him. How many of you have ever said anything you regret? Yeah. The king just needs some time. But some of us, we're so petty. 
Somebody say something wrong immediately. We're on the phone blasting. Yeah, I can't wait to tell about it. You know that they didn't mean what they said. Just give them a second and turn. But no, you're going to punish them because you, you, you said that to me. Uh, you know? <laughs> but Elisha was grown up in the Lord. Yes. Elisha put on his big boy pants and he looked past the personal insult. And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him, and then the king said in the New King James Version, what's, what's happening here is the elders did as the prophet said, and they stalled the messenger of the king long enough at the door for the king to, to, to come to his senses and, and show up himself to reverse the, the decree. And sometimes when people go into that dark and stupid place, how many of you got a place called stupid? Yeah. You know, I have a place called stupid. And when, when you go in that stupid, you got to give them a minute to come out of that place. And Elisha did just that. And he did it under inspiration, which reveals something of the heart of God. Then the king said to Elisha, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? You see, when the king arrived, he had a change of heart. And instead of trying to kill the prophet because of last Sunday's message, like some of y'all do by email, <laughs> instead of being angry, he confided in him and shared his frustration. And some of you, I know, you're really not angry with me. You're really not angry with, with the Bible. The real issue is you're frustrated. The real, real issue is the things in your life that you saw coming, but you couldn't stop. And, and when they showed up, you, you, you just didn't have the, the, the clarity of mind to accept the responsibility. But, but, but God has given you time. And in that time, we have an opportunity to humble ourselves and say, God, it's not you. It's me. Lord, if, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm hurting in, in this way, maybe it's not because you failed. Maybe it's because some way I failed. When we stop blaming him, begin to look in the mirror and humble ourselves, we find ourselves in the position of this king. 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 1. After the king humbled himself, after the king dealt with his temper, after the king corrected himself and reversed himself, church, you need to check yourself, correct yourself, reverse yourself. After that, watch what happened when he stopped trying to kill the pastor and confided in him instead. Watch it. Then Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Be careful about trying to assassinate your man or woman of God too quickly. Because it might be through that man or woman of God's mouth that God intends to reverse your situation. It's through that mouth God will, will fix it on next week if you, if you just get past the message from last week. Are you hearing me? In God's wisdom, he sometimes intentionally sets up situations where we have an opportunity to choose whether we just going to feel some kind of way 
are we going to choose God? In John chapter 6, verse 66, a fitting place. And may that number speak to us. Jesus had been preaching. Crowds had been following him. But Jesus is an expert at cutting back and pruning the crowd. In fact, I felt like I had that gift at my point, one point in my life. I felt like I could clear a room quicker than anybody else. But he'd been preaching, and then he could have said it differently. He could have been less offensive. He could have been more sensitive. But he said this to the crowd. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. How many think Jesus might have known that they weren't going to get that? Sometimes in God's wisdom, he will intentionally offend. Not because he's mean, but the real question over your head is, do you want him enough to get over your own personal sensibilities, to get past your personal sensitivities? Do you love him enough to humble yourself Even when it hurts, even when it seems harsh, do you love them enough to get over you? And in this pace, in the the journey, God decided it was time to to kind of weed out the crowd. And you'll find different times, even in this church, there are certain messages designed to weed out. You say, pastors seem mean. No, 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 baby. God's working on something. He wants people in this room hungry enough for him that when he really shows up, they won't be so easily offended. You hear what I'm saying? It's one of the ways God qualifies you for his best. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. They said, thus says the Lord after the king calmed down. After the king humbled himself, God filled the prophet's mouth. Church, we have to learn to stop kirking out. We got to learn to control ourselves. It wasn't until the king got a handle on himself that the word of God was released. You're saying, God, why don't, I, why don't you speak? God saying, why don't you control yourself? Why don't you check yourself? Why don't you humble yourself? Last I checked, I am God and I am God alone. There's no opening in the Trinity. Things may not go the way you like it, but they are going according to my plan. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's what the Lord is saying to each of us. So the man that the king wanted to kill just moments earlier was the man God used to change the course of this man's reign in the city's destiny. The prophet opened up his mouth and he said, tomorrow about this time. How many of y'all could use some real answers in the next 24 hours? Yeah. See, one thing about the prophetic office, if you don't say it, it often, it doesn't release it. It doesn't happen. So to be a genuine prophet, you got to say it. 
And sometimes the things you say don't seem to line up with reality. They were in a horrible situation that from the outside looked absolutely impossible. But the prophet opened his mouth. What did he say? Tomorrow about what? This time. I believe the Lord is saying to some folks in this room, and you might be one of them, that you might be just hours away from a complete turnaround in your life. If you listen this morning. The prophet said something absolutely ridiculous. What I'm saying to you may be absolutely ridiculous. You say, I know my problem, Bishop, and that's some good preaching, but not in my life. But the prophet spoke by inspiration. He said, tomorrow, about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And two seeds of barley for a shekel as well. And all at the gate of Samaria. What the Lord is saying to those in this room, those watching by live stream, perhaps those listening by the radio. I don't know where you are, but listen to the word of the Lord. Your, your period of siege is about to come to an end. You're about to step back into normalcy if you can believe the word of your God. But watch this, verse 2. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned, meaning this was an, an official that the king listened to, the king respected and honored. He answered the man of God. He talked back. And he said, look, now I like all that stuff you say, you know, it's inspirational and everything, but I'm in the real world. And uh, listen, if the Lord would make the windows in heaven open, could this thing, come on, be? Frankly, I understand this man's doubt. How many in this room understand? Come on now. Now, now, the the, the army was on the inside of the walls. People were were, were dying of starvation, and, 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 and the army at its full strength could not defeat the Syrians. So now that the army is hungry, now that people are dying in this sickness, and it's absolutely impossible. The siege has gone on for week after week after weak and you know armies travel on their belly and a hungry army is a weakened army said look this is absolutely improbable i get the man's doubt but here's the deal if if you can believe in a god that could create the known universe in six days tell me what's the stretch to believe that god can fix your little problem in just a day I mean, we get to talking about it. This is the God who said to Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to keep the sun from setting until you finish this fight and win. This is a God who spoke to Isaiah and said, go on and speak to Hezekiah and tell Hezekiah I'm going to add 15 years to his life. And then to confirm the word, God looked at the king and he said, listen, what I'm going to do to make you know that I'm God and there's none beside me and I done spoke. He said, I'm going to turn back the clock 15 degrees. The sundial went backwards. So we serve a God 
that can not only do it quickly, but a God that can turn back the clock if he has to. We serve a big God. Does anybody believe in this God? On some Sundays we talk about endurance, but that's not the message today. It's about faith. And sometimes I say he can't. God said, I'm God and I can. God can choose to do it as quickly as he wants or as slow as he wants. Our only obligation is to trust him. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.